0: Um, hey everybody, Whoa. my name is Dexter, <clears throat> put that right there, hey everybody, I'm Dexter. Uh, if you don't know me, it sounds like some of you know me or are just clapping because it's fun. Um, I'm an intern here at the house, uh, I come all the way from Seattle, Washington, so it's kind of far away. Um, yes, go Supersonics, thank you, thank you. Um, Anyways, tonight I get the pleasure of sharing the kingdom of heaven with you guys. Um, the parable I'm going to be talking about tonight deals with our lives. It deals with the time in between when Jesus uh, rose again and when he will come back for second coming. So basically it deals with today. Um, this parable is about my life and it's about your guys' life. Um, as, I, as I first started reading this parable, um, it, 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 it made me think a lot about how I've grown up Um, and as I've grown up, I've created a very uh, harsh and legalistic picture of God. Um, Yeah, Uh, it's this picture of God that would paralyze me um, with fear to do something, or it would motivate me to do something out of fear, Um, so doing the right things for the wrong reasons. Um, And it, it made me afraid to do new things, and to trust God. So all of this kind of came to a head, moving down here, trying to trust God, trying to step out in faith. And I came down here uh, 2,500 plus miles away from home. Um, and uh, I, was, I was afraid. I was afraid to step fully into my role here and to trust that God could possibly use me. Um, and so one night this all came to a head and I'm over at my fiance, uh, fiance's house or apartment, whatever, duplex, Um, was at her house, and I don't know exactly how we started um, talking about it, but uh, it just started coming up, all of my fears, and I just, I just, I hit a wall, I broke down, Um, I started crying, I know, I I cried, and uh, I I started asking her these, like, really intense questions, Um, asking her, can God love me? Um, Can God use me? Can other people love me? Do I have things that I can offer? Um, I know that's kind of an intense way to start, but uh, it's real, and maybe as I read through this parable, um, you'll see a little bit about where I get that feeling or that idea, whether it's true or not. Um, This is from Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming... I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Um, The first time I read this parable... In preparation for this sermon, um, I, I was left with this this weird feeling, um, kind of in my stomach. I started thinking about how am I going to be judged? How am I going to be judged for what I've done? How way I've used? Where are my talents? I started thinking about salvation and what does that mean? It's really heavy stuff. Um, but let me let me just tell you that this parable is not about that. This parable is not about earning salvation. This parable is not about fear. This parable isn't about doing more. This is not a parable that teaches us to live in fear of our salvation. It is a parable inviting us to participate in the kingdom with joy. So before we get a little lighter, please pray with me. Father, thank you for giving your son, Jesus Christ, um, to die on a cross for our sins Thank you for the many gifts you've given us in our lifetime. Um, I pray tonight that you'll be working through me, that you will give me clarity as I speak the words that you've taught me. Um, I pray for open minds and open hearts to receive what I'm teaching um, from what you've taught me. Um, Thank you so much for being such a large, generous, and abundant God. Amen. God is inviting us to participate in the kingdom work with joy and not fear. The parable starts off. um, For it, the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, Then he went away. This is a parable that's describing the kingdom of heaven. This parable is also happening right now. We often want the kingdom to come and want it to be right here, right now. We want things to be perfect. We want everything to be solved. And that's a good thing. But we're not there yet. We're still living, not quite there yet. But this parable is set now, and it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. So at least in part, we're living in the kingdom of heaven right now. Um, This parable is talking to us right here, right now. Um, So let's look more at that. Uh, Every time I read this parable every time. Uh, I've read it a bunch uh, in my lifetime. It's been taught in church plenty of times. Um, And I read it a lot uh, preparing for this talk. Um, And I always think about what am I supposed to do with the talents God has given me? What even are those talents? Uh, How do I use them? Am I putting them in a hole? Uh, Some metaphorical hole? Um, But that's completely missing the fact of who the master is. Are you following what I'm saying? All of our actions are based on who we think this master is. Now, my favorite part of this parable starts right at the beginning, and it says that the master entrusted his property to us. In essence, the master gave. The master is giving. The master is a giver of generous and abundant gifts, and that is really cool. He's giving stuff to us, his servants. And not only is he giving, but he's giving abundantly. Uh, each talent is approximately six thousand to ten thousand denarii, depending on your mathematical skills, I guess. Um, and each denarii, der, denarius, is worth one full day's of work. One full day of work. So nine to five, lunch break, uh, take the Sabbath off, and one talent is twenty-five to thirty years worth of work. Yes. That's a lot of money. That's assuming that he's not working on the Sabbath and assuming that he doesn't spend any of it. So no food, no clothes, whatever. He's making enough, saving that much. So even to, the, even to the one talented guy, he's giving 30 years worth of work. What an incredible and abundant master to give us that much. If I had that much, I probably wouldn't be trusting it with me. 20 bucks, maybe. 30 bucks, to 25 years worth? Probably not. Um, we often look at this parable and we talk, we, we look at it as how to get something. How are we supposed to receive what the master is giving? But in reality, the master already given it to us. He's already inviting us in. We don't think about how much has really been given to us. The question now is what are we going to do with it? The parable goes on to explain what his servants do with this abundance. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. The first and second servants immediately go out and they put their money to work. They have received and been trusted with this money, and they go go to work with it. They know that when the master gave them the money, that they were supposed to do what he did with it. He was trusting them with his property, and so they... He wanted them to do what he was doing. Now, the guide for us on how we're supposed to use the talents that God is giving us is Jesus. Jesus came and lived a life, and we're supposed to follow after him. The cool part here is that we're each different. We're each unique. We've each been given different personalities, different gifts, different skills. And that means that each of us following Jesus, loving like Jesus, looks very different. It's all loving, but we all get to do it differently and creatively and uniquely. And so there's no pressure here on these two servants to do it perfectly, to do a cookie cutter. There's no master here who's looking over their shoulders, who's telling them and micromanaging them exactly how to do it, giving them rules and regulations. He gives them space to do it to each each his own, to do it how they do it. Um, Jesus has freed us from the law, and he's given us the Holy Spirit, so that we have the freedom to be creative with what he's giving us. We're called to live like Jesus, but within that there is more freedom than we could possibly imagine. The servants know the money should be put to use, and that's exactly what they do. And when the master returns, the two servants step forward saying, saying this, Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them, and he who had received the five talents came forward, You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. These first two servants are both rewarded for the work that they've done. Um, and although they have different abilities and they both earned different amounts of money, they both are rewarded. Um, this, this is telling us that the master is not expecting us to gain more or less or reach this certain point. He's expecting us to be faithful with what we have and where we are right now. We're only being held accountable to what we are given, not to what someone else is given, but what to we are given, what we are given. We don't need to fear measuring up to what other people look like or what they've been given. We only need to look at Jesus and see if we're living a life like him, loving like him. The first two servants get to enter into the joy of the master and are invited into more participation. Get this, they worked in the kingdom, and now they get more of the kingdom. They don't get less of the kingdom, they get more. We're not made to be idle believers, but rather active participators. Um, And then the third servant. Um, But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. If the master actually wanted his money to remain safe, unchanging stagnant why did he give it to the servants he wouldn't have he wouldn't have the master gave the servants uh, part of his property some talents so that they could actively participate in the work that he's already doing Um, so then why did the servant hide the money in a hole Um, listen to what the, the servant says when the master comes back Um, He who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. The third servant was passive and didn't take the opportunity that was given to him. The master gave him a whole lifetime's worth of wages and the servant went and put it in a hole. Um, The servant looked at his one talent, and he looked at how he understood the master to be and was scared about what would happen if he messed up, lost the money, did something wrong. Um, Have you ever thought about God this way? What would happen if you messed up? I have. The fear of the master motivated the third servant's inaction. The problem here is that the servant doesn't have an accurate view of the master. The servant thinks that the master is hard and difficult. He thinks that he can not do anything that would be worthy of such a hard Lord. So out of his fear, he hides it. He doesn't think about the consequences for his action. He just hides. He doesn't know the generous and abundant Lord that gives us everything. I mentioned earlier that as I've grown up, uh, I... Had this view of a harsh and legalistic God, um, and and when I broke down that night, Liz had her arms around me, and um, I just I, I started letting go of these notions of a harsh God. Um, I started accepting that maybe God does actually have an abundance of love for me, an abundance of love um, that no matter what I do, um, He's still loving me, and I'm not earning that. And there's always enough. Um, and it's not like I get it. It's not like I'm perfect, and I have it all together now, but I'm still moving forward. I'm so confidently choosing to be faithful with what God's given me because I believe that he loves me, and he has so much for me, and I believe the same for you guys. Um, I have this picture of a harsh manager who demands perfection, similar to the third servant, and this isn't true about who God is. We know that God is full of love, and God empowers us to participate in his kingdom, he empowers us. He doesn't need us. He's God. But he empowers us. He, he moves out of the way so that we can do something. And I think that's really cool. And now that I've seen that, I've glimpsed that, I have experiences of that, I'm able to more freely act and work for him. Our understanding of this master affects the way we live our lives. The third servant had an inaccurate view. And look at how God responds. Even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The servant accepted responsibility over the talent that the master gave him. And then he basically threw it back in his face by hiding it in a hole. Um, I picture the third servant coming back and going, here's your money, except it's a little dirty. I put it in a hole, sorry. Sorry. Um, so, who, is, who, who actually is this master? The master explains to the servant who he is. He explains it. The servant has called him a hard man, but the master does not use the same language because the master is not hard. God is not hard. God is loving. The reason the servant doesn't know what is expected of him is because he does not know how generous and in control God really is. the master then takes away what has been given to the servant. Um, And if you're like me, this doesn't seem really fair. It seems kind of like a hardened master. Um, But but think about it it this way. Um, Something cool that I've learned um, in my lifetimes of travels is uh, that muscles, this may sound silly at first, but muscles are made to be used. They're made to be used. And when muscles aren't being used, they die. They literally die. Muscles are made to be used, they're made to grow stronger, they're made to do more, not less. It's the same with our spiritual lives. We're made to do more. We're made to be more than what we are right now. And God is actively participating in that transformation. God is inviting us to live in the kingdom today. If we don't accept today that we're in the kingdom, how are we going to have more tomorrow? If we can't handle what's given to us today or choose not to handle it, how are we going to get more later? The third servant was given a piece of his master's property, a part of the kingdom. But the third servant never used it. He hid it in a hole. So why would this servant be able to handle more pieces of the kingdom later? If the servant had known who the master was, he would not have been afraid, but rather filled with joy at the opportunity to enter into the kingdom. All right, let me, let me, let me connect this a little bit. Let me describe this parable with another parable that I wrote. Um, suppose there's, excuse me, suppose the owner of a coffee shop has three managers and he has to go off and do coffee business, buy coffee or something. Um, and so he takes his three most responsible managers, and to the first one, he gives a responsibility of the coffee shop for four days, to the second most responsible, he gives responsibility for two days, and for the third most responsible serv- uh, manager, he, uh, he gives uh, responsibility of the coffee shop for one day. So then the, the, the owner goes off to do his coffee business, and the first two managers of the four and two days immediately go to work. They do whatever it takes to make the coffee shop more successful. They open early, they close late, they have good customer service, and uh, they make really great coffee with the little swirls in the top. Um, Anyways, their profits double. The third servant, the third manager, is afraid. Mixing my parables here. The third manager is afraid. He thinks, gosh, I have so much responsibility now, I've got so much to do, what if I mess up? What if I drop the coffee or do other things that mess up coffee shops?" Um, And he's afraid, he's afraid. So what he decides to do is he closes the coffee shop completely. He puts the close sign, he turns off the light, he turns off the power, that way nothing will go wrong, it'll be perfectly safe, and it'll be just the way when the owner gets back. It'll be just the same when the owner gets back great idea, right? Anyways, the owner comes back and he asks his managers, so how's my coffee shop doing? And the first two, they step forward proudly and go, look, we've doubled profits because we worked hard. And the owner's like, great, I'm proud of you guys. I've got two more coffee shops opening. You can now go be in charge of them. Sweet. Um, and so then the third manager steps forward and goes, gosh, you know, you love making money. And I didn't want to mess that up. I didn't want to ruin your coffee shop for you. So what I did was I closed it. Great, right? He's sitting there pretty, like, happy. But whatever. If you were the owner of that coffee shop, what is the reasonable thing to do? To give him more responsibility or less responsibility? It seems really silly, but it's exactly what the other parable is saying. The point of the parable of the talents is not how many talents did you get. The point is that the master gave you talents and now you get to do something with them. There's no need to look around at other people because you're not being compared to them. What did the Lord give you? This parable invites us into the abundance of a generous God who wants us to participate In the kingdom work with joy. So do you take hope in a master who gives generously? Hope in a master who has decided to trust you with his property? The master wants us to do the best with what we have. Not all of us are called to be Mother Teresa. Some of us might be called to be missionaries. Some of us might be called to be businessmen. But that's not where we're at right now. I can confidently say to all of you, that God is calling you to be faithful right where you are right now. In college, living in dorms and apartments, going to class, playing in intramural sports, coming to the house, you're called to be faithful right here and right now. And the cool thing is, we're also not expected to be uh, throw at a random age 40 where we have it all together, or supposedly, and we know all our gifts and our skills because um, I know everyone thinks that when they're 40, we're going to have it all figured out. Um, but we're not called to be there. We're in college. We're called to be in college. We're called to be figuring out who we are now. We're figuring out who God has made us to be, what our major is going to be, what we want to do with our lives. Those are the questions we're asking. And it's not that we'll have it all figured out at the end of college, and we're not going to have it all figured out when we're 40, but it's a continual growth process. Um, I mean, God, God used me and grew me in college. I say that humbly. I wasn't, like, moving mountains or anything. But my freshman year, I got involved in a college ministry in Seattle, and I was involved and I participated. And, and then my next year, I took on a little bit of leadership where I was just kind of having fun and hanging out. And the next year, I had a little more leadership. And by the time I was a senior, I had quite a bit of leadership, I had quite a bit of responsibility. And that's okay. That was God building me up for something. I would not have been able to do the same things as a senior that I would have, as a freshman. I just, I just wouldn't. And it wouldn't make sense. I probably didn't even want to do the same things at that point. Um, but out of God's wonderful abundance for us, he has trusted me and he's trusted you guys with work to do. Me and you, we're getting to work for the kingdom right now. We're getting to build it up. God has given everything. He's given you Jesus and his teachings, telling us how to live. He's given Jesus as a sacrifice on the cross so that we can live and live in freedom and not in fear. He's given us our entire lives. He's given us responsibilities and um, circumstances and opportunities and gifts and resources, and he's given them all abundantly. What are we going to do with them? Now, I know just because it's the nature of the beast that there's a few of you out there who are feeling overwhelmed, who are probably feeling fear. And me, I felt the same way. I felt exactly the same way. But if you're you're feeling those things, you're missing the point of the parable. The parable is not about fear. The parable is about love and opportunities from God. The point is, you already have God's love. You already have it. You don't need to do something to get that. Remember that God gives generously. We don't need to wait for the perfect opportunity, and we don't need to hide behind that. We don't need to make excuses and hide behind that. Let's enter into the kingdom work, knowing who our generous and abundant God is and enter into it joyfully. God trusts us to be faithful in these situations. Not perfect, just faithful not motivated by fear, but motivated by joy in the God who has given us so much. Pray with me. Father, seriously, thank you so much for giving your son to give us life. Thank you for the abundance that you've given us, the opportunity to come to college, the opportunity to be here on a Tuesday night, worshiping you in freedom. God, I pray um, for those of us out there who are feeling the fear, feeling overwhelmed, that you would come in with your perfect love and you would cast that out. That you would come in and fill us with so much love that we are excited to go out and joyfully serve you. God, I pray for us to see who you really are. I pray that whatever lies are are in our heads about who you are, that they, you would wipe them away, that we would see your abundance and your generosity. Let us act out of joy when the opportunity presents itself, because we know who you are. Amen.